Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. It just doesn't feel great after you've you know, really dug deep, you do this personal thing, you make this project, you usually are really battling to try to be very honest about it, about yourself, and then you have to flip some kind of switch and you know, write some grant proposal or something that explains it. And it, that's a real skill. It takes a lot of practice to actually learn how to do that. There's a lot involved in the arts that don't involve creativity. I would invite you to ask yourself, how much do you love, love art and how can you engage with art um, more often? You may have all kinds of great artists doing wonderful work and nowhere to show it nowhere to display it. We've said recently on this show that an art scene can't exist without thriving artists. On today's St. Louis on the Air, we'll discuss trends in artist funding in St. Louis and other Midwest spots and talk with two recipients of local artist grants. Forbes magazine contributor Chad Scott recently wrote quite glowingly, I might add, about St. Louis as a place that stands out among cities for its prioritization of the arts. Chad, welcome to the program. Nice being here, Elaine. Thanks for inviting me. Now, as a writer for Forbes, you Mm -hmm. explore, again, that intersection of arts and travel. And just last month, you wrote a feature about St. Louis's Grand Center Arts District, which Mm -hmm. is where our station happens to be. (laughs) How did you come to or upon Grand Center to begin with? I was invited by the uh, Visit St. Louis folks as part of a press trip of national arts writers to come and explore the, you know, entire city for the arts uh, community. So I was in town for two or three days. We went to you know, St. Louis Art Museum. We went to uh, Missouri Botanical Gardens. We, we saw uh, a lot, but I was most, uh, I don't want to say impressed, I was most taken, most surprised by Grand Center because it was such a dense variety of artistic offerings from music to literature to uh, the circus to uh, Powell Hall and performing arts, visual arts that I had not come across previously. That that density and that diversity uh, in, in any of my travels. And I, I'm somewhere around the country about twice a month uh, looking at art. Wow. And had you been familiar with any of the, you know, the, the spaces in Grand Center before you actually got here? I was aware of the Pulitzer because that is such a, a profound, uh, what would you know, say, uh, organization, foundation program they've got going on there. I've written about some of their shows mm-hmm. previously, but, but otherwise, no. And, I, you know, I've, I've, my brother lived in St. Louis, you know, 15, 20 years ago and, and loved it and, you know, we would do Forest Park and the zoo with the kids and all that kind of stuff. But it's only been recently when I've gotten so into the the arts and, and culture scene. So as familiar as I was with St. Louis, 
and and he actually worked at at SLU, which of course oh. is right near there. But uh, not being in, into the art scene and, and this area kind of emerging in the last handful of of years to what it is now. Obviously, you know the Fox and Powell Hall and that stuff has have been there for a long time, and the Pulitzer has been there for a long time. But but what I was really most interested in is is this the the, the Kranzberg Foundation support and and these artist spaces, these studio spaces, the the literature kind of more of the bottom up than the top down. You know, mm-hmm. I think arts communities, uh, of course, are are easy to define by the high end, right? I mean, and right. the St. Louis Art Museum is one of the best in the country. But an arts community much more evolves and develops from the bottom up, studios, galleries, artist spaces, uh, community centers, and working artists than it does from the top down in the, the major national institutions. Yeah. Well, insofar as that top down uh, and what that means, the, the Forbes feature that you wrote, which was titled mm-hmm. America's Most Exciting Emerging Arts District is in St. Louis with a question mark. You mm-hmm. did spend a lot of time on uh, infrastructural development. So that's investments in property and venues, as well as big mm-hmm. events like festivals. And you did uh, single out sort of top down and, and bottom up when you talk with our producer. Can you mm-hmm. give us a little bit more about what top down means in the context sure. of Sure. Well, I mean, okay, so what, what's the, the, the peak of the St. Louis arts community? The St. Louis Arts Museum, right? I mean, they've got Van Gogh and they've got Matisse and they've got the big exhibitions. And, you know, I, I visited when I was there and, and it's, it's easy and natural and obvious for visitors to St. Louis or residents well, let's go to the big museum, right? You go to New York, you go to the Met, you go to MoMA, you go to Chicago, you go to the Art Institute, you go to Detroit, you go to the Art Institute. I mean, that's natural, right? And then, okay, Powell Hall when it's it's in its season, or maybe you go see a big concert or a show or, or something like that. That's top down, you know, the big institution sort of steering the ship. And that's fine. And, and St. Louis has, again, one of the top art museums in the country, bar none. But what I did not mention SLAM in my piece because I was focused specifically on this arts district that is developing uh, in Grand Center. And that's what really excited me. It's not the 100,000 square foot museum. It's the little art print shop. It's the literary coffee house. It's the circus there that that has its season it's walls off washington that is emerging that's what builds uh, an arts district an arts community these are not one-offs let's take chicago for instance i was in chicago last week and visited the art institute art institute's great one of the best art museums in the world but there's nothing else like arty around it i mean you've got the the bean in millennial park but to get to the uh, contemporary art museum, you've, it, it's two miles away. And to get to you know some of the galleries, it's even further than that. What I like about uh, Grand Center and, and the focus of my piece was an arts district, mm-hmm. one-stop shopping for music, theater, performance, visual arts, literary arts, museums like the Contemporary Art Museum and the Pulitzer, but also, you know, outdoor art, street art like Walls Off Washington and murals and graffiti stuff that's free, uh, which obviously St. Louis excels in. So that's what excited me most about that you've got an arts hotel there. It's it's right, a right. critical mass of 
smaller buildings when taken together really packs an, an incredible wallop. And is there anything uh, you know that you've been observing, particularly in Midwestern cities, where they're taking a, an approach that's similar to the one that you saw in St. Louis? Not to this degree. Uh, every city I go to, of course, is trying, and I get, get pitched these stories all the time, is trying in some way or another to bolster its art offerings. Cleveland has a triennial, uh, which is a, a, a big citywide, regionwide art festival that takes place every three years. That's what a, a triennial is that, that they're very proud of. Uh, Detroit is working to develop some you know, neighborhood pockets focused on the arts and culture. Indianapolis has a very prominent mural uh, arts scene. Milwaukee has a sculpture festival over the summer. All of these are, are well and good. And, you know, Chicago is kind of often a, a different stratosphere because it's so good. And it's really, Chicago is a museum town, mm -hmm. you know, more than it is, you know, artist spaces or little galleries and that kind of thing. So Chicago is kind of on its own deal. But what, what so impressed me about St. Louis is it had this one area that had so many different options because you know you may be a theater opera person your guests may be more into music i'm a visual arts person all of that exists in grand center right, and it increasingly right. exists at street level and it's artist operated again it's ground up instead of here are our hours and here is our fee and this is when you come. Yeah. What's happening in Grand Center is much more organic and lively and neighborhoody and community focused. And that's that's a rare thing nationally, let, let alone a, around the Midwest. Right. No. Insofar as what you were seeing, you, you've mentioned community, you're mentioning the artists themselves. Was there yeah. anything that you were observing that points to you know, collective financing, as it were, or more of that bottom-up approach that you were talking about? So, for example, well, I, you know, like yeah, I mean, artist a, a lot of my, Yeah, a lot of my story was focused on the Kranzberg Arts Foundation, and, and what they do really supports bottom-up because they don't directly support artists. And I think, you know, a lot of your inspiration for, for discussing this was the Regional Arts Commission uh, grants that are going out to organizations, but also individual artists. Mm -hmm. What I liked about the, the Kranzberg Art Foundation uh, program is that it is really interested in in artist venues and artist spaces and real estate and sort of taking the logistical barriers out of artists finding spaces to do their work and sell their work and showcase their work. So again, when you think about bottom up, you may have all kinds of great artists doing wonderful work and nowhere to show it, nowhere to display it, uh, nowhere for people to come and look at it. And again, that's what I think is so wonderful about Grand Center is you've got these galleries, these artist spaces outdoor, you know, the murals. You have outdoor space, indoor space uh, that provides for these artists locally to have a place to display and present their work and people to enjoy it instead of, you know, having to go to Chicago or somewhere else where they have the gallery. So, right. you know, ground up, you know, you've got to have the artists working, and you're going to talk to some of those folks later, you've got to have a community of actual artists. 
But those artists then have to have a means to to show people locally uh, their art beyond social media. So you know these physical spaces that exist in Grand Center are are exceptional and unusual because they are again focused on um, local artists and that local arts community again more so than than St. Louis you know places. art museum which which is great you know they've got Matisse they've got Van Gogh they've got you know the the big global names um, Grand Center can take more of a, a local focus yeah and so it's really a case of in, in from your perspective if you build it, they will come, the they being well, the artists. Uh, so, <laughs> the, the artists maybe, but again, you know, you have to have as a community, as a city, you have to value the arts. And that not just value the arts in terms of we're going to support this with uh, tax dollars or, or government support or foundation support. The residents there have to want this. Yes. You know, the residents, there have to be enough residents to say, yeah, you know, all these spaces, we're, we're going to frequent these places. And we're, we're going to go here and we're going to buy something and buy a beer yep, and we're we'll going to buy a ticket. We'll be getting right into that with the, the artists that we speak with. Chad, thank you so much for talking with us today. My pleasure. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with two local artists who've just gotten funding for their creative projects. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. Welcome back. Before the break, we spoke with Chad Scott, whose June 2nd forms Forbes feature on Grand Center Arts District in St. Louis had many folks abuzz about STL's art scene. Another bit of news broke just a couple weeks later. The Regional Arts Commission, or RAC, announced awardees of $4.5 million in individual artist grants ranging from $1,000 to $7,500 each. We've said recently on this show that an art scene can't exist without thriving artists. So these RAC grants, which support very specific individual projects or goals, do make a significant difference. But there's only so much one or even two big arts orgs can do to support artists. And securing funds to sustain creative work is its own job and, in many ways, its own art. Here to talk with us about their approaches to the art of making money to finance their artistic endeavors, we welcome two local artists, Kasimu Taylor, trumpeter and lead musician of the Kasimu Tet. Welcome. Thank you. And Carlos Salazar Lermont, visual and performance artist. Welcome to you too. Thank you so much. And congratulations to you both on receiving RAC commission, uh, RAC grants, that is, <laughs> this year. Let's jump right into the conversation about making art All and right. making money for it. <laughs> right. So, Kasimu, you've been playing trumpet for quite some time, since yes. you were 11, I believe? 11, 12, yeah. So at what point did making music and making money come together for you? <laughs> uh, that's, that's funny you ask that question. So um, 
my first band director, Mr. Johnson, when I was 12. I guess he's, he saw something in me at that time. I guess I had a, a nice sound at an early age. And he actually had me play at his church <laughs> for Easter. Okay. And wrote me a check for 60 bucks. And I thought I was like, whoa. That's a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so at that point, I, knew, I was like, oh, wow. Maybe you can make some money doing this, mm-hmm. too. And what is the range of work that you've done you know, throughout your career to fund your music and musicianship? Oh, wow. So the range of work, <laughs> music or otherwise, uh, like the service industry work, you know, the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did. I worked in that industry for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and the way I look at those type of jobs, I look at it as, you know, a way to have capital mm-hmm. <laughs> to to fund uh, what what I truly want to do. So yeah. it was really instrumental, like figuratively and literally. Oh yeah, then. definitely. Yeah. And like <laughs> you 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 can't make art if you don't have basic life uh, necessities. Right, having know? that covered. And has your time as a musician? Has it all happened here in St. Louis, or have you spent time in other places? Yeah, it, it, it's all happened here in St. Louis. Um, it, I feel like, definitely, if if you if, if you wanted like take things to, I guess, a, a larger, larger level, you you kind of have to. You used to have to leave St. Louis, but I think in this day and age with social media. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have so many contacts through social media all around the world. Like you can really kind of hone in and take advantage of the cost of living in St. Louis and still be able to have a, a broader reach. Right, right. Now, Carlos, you have been deep in the arts for many years, but adding the title of artist and specifically visual and performance art is something that's newer for you. So did the realities of, of making money for your art, kind of the way that Kasimu has talked about, while making a living, has that had anything to do with your taking on artist a little bit later? Well, actually, I didn't take art later. I started very, very young. Uh, and I started performing internationally when I was 21, uh, which was like um, 14 years ago or something like that. So. I already had started. Um, I'm having a confusion, but yeah, actually, um, I yeah, I've been doing art and performing and showing exhibitions, and I started doing art administration later mm-hmm. as a means of um, trying to fill some gaps um, that existed in the environment where I was, mm-hmm. which back in that time was Venezuela. Okay. Performance art is, uh, is, I mean, performance art is still today a little bit relegated to like a sideshow sometimes by um, institutions, um, museums. Now there's a little bit more of interest into that. But back in the time, it's performance artists didn't start our events, didn't curate them, didn't produce them, they wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what motivated me to start organizing international and local events. Um, and now I think I'm a little bit more focused on my own practice because I feel that it's a little bit different from Venezuela. Okay. Here in the U.S., uh, there are a little bit more um, opportunities, but still uh, many artists are taking initiative to um, organize events or 
administrative spaces, both here in St. Louis or Chicago or places as uh, they were mentioning earlier. Yeah. Is there something about the kind of art, Carlos, that you make that presents challenges to procuring funding for it, whether it is through grants or for other means? I mean, you did talk about sort of the the level of awareness or maybe acceptance, general acceptance in Venezuela, but... Yeah, um, you know, my, I have a very wide uh, scope of working. Some of them are very focused on like community, uh, it's like community-engaged projects, very social, very political, and there's another type of work that's a little bit more introspective, more philosophical. And that kind of work sometimes takes me to a more radical way of doing work that uh, is not necessarily something that you could put uh, well, maybe you can put it on top of your sofa if you want, okay. still, right? <laughs> but, 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 but you know what? It's a strong image. It's right. a strong image, and it's challenging, mm-hmm. right? So um, I have had different levels of success with both type of work. Mm-hmm. Definitely, the community engaged type of work uh, is is easier to 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 get funding and support because it gets uh, like it solves some problems um, of other kind at the same time right right, right. Uh, but sometimes as a performance artist the kind of support you get is you get free tickets to go somewhere else you know mm-hmm. to present your work yeah to travel internationally you get like you get to travel and you get to like some help on producing your work that otherwise you wouldn't do by yourself right. uh, especially like places like the Fibrillator Gallery was cru- crucial. That was in Chicago. That was crucial in me um, coming to the U.S. Uh, it, it made a, a big difference. Right, right. Casimir, yeah. as you've heard Carlos talking about the different ways that he has, as sort of a, a, a side endeavor, mm-hmm. um, made art and shown it, performed it, how has your music served you when you were not serving in a restaurant or doing one of those other oh, jobs? Um, so I, I, the, the first, uh, I guess, professional gig I ever played was when I was 19. And I was <clears throat> with one of my uh, mentors, friends, uh, Chad Evans. So that was, that was like the first time I was like out and I'm in the, in the club and I'm, I'm playing. Um, I, so from that moment on, I feel like, I've, you know, and that was, a lot of years ago, mm-hmm. I've been, I've been able to, uh, you know, play play with t- super unique people and all across the country, mm-hmm. um, totally different genres, like from like soul, old school soul R and B music to jazz to uh, like funk, disco, <laughs> you know. So has have some of the the challenges in financing your work. Um, has that also been something that has impeded your ability to explore new things or different things? Yes. Um, so, the, as Carlos knows, there there's a lot involved in the arts that don't involve creativity. So, like, in order to... Uh, See if you have this super ambitious idea to put on this show. You know, you have to pay for the musicians, you have to pay for the venue, and things of that nature. So, um, having all that in place before you even get the creative thing going 
yeah, it can be a super can be really difficult. Big yeah. yeah. Now, there's been a lot of attention to uh, money that is given to individual artists by these big organizations. But what is it that you want people to know about support for individual artists that comes from the community? Um, and maybe something that people miss because St. Louis is known for charitable giving for the arts. Carlos? Yeah, um, well, I really, really want to um, reiterate what Chad was saying earlier, that um, one thing is the support that the private or public institutions give, or something that cannot be replaced is the love you feel for art. So if someone is listening to this right now, which a lot, it's of course a lot of people, I would invite you to ask yourself, how much do you love, love art and how can you engage with art um, more often? Uh, and what can you give to make St. Louis art scene a richer one? Am I going to see local artists? Am I buying artist work? Am I going to local galleries? Um, and yeah, and, and everyone can support and can contribute in the level of their possibilities. If you cannot buy a $10,000 work to donate for a museum, but some people can, yeah. right, and should, you know, maybe you can buy a smaller artwork. Carlos Salazar Dermont is a visual and performance artist, and Casimu Taylor is a trumpeter and head of the group Casimu Tet. Thank you both for joining us today. Today's episode was produced by Aaron Dorr with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.